Blog Talk Radio. Time with Pastor Steph. Where the 
um, school personnel has been responsible for giving children CPR. Oh, my goodness, this is just, this is too much. You know, you would think that with the constant conversations about fentanyl and all of the um, overdosing that has been made public that our children would learn to stay away from this um, drug. Well, unfortunately, they're not learning a lesson either, and they are doing some investigation to find out how and who is selling this drug in the school. Mm. Well, we talked about that 37-year-old young man who was struck by a car and killed by a police officer. Mother had been looking for him only to find out that he was already buried dead and buried to be exact and don't know how this happened and the police said that he had no idea uh, I'm sorry ID on him however there was a prescription bottle on him and the prescription bottle did have an address they did reach out to the doctor and they claim that they tried to reach the family. They called the number to the home of the family, but they couldn't get through. The number wasn't working, something to that effect. And, you know, we talked about the fact that such a lame excuse. You know, the police are going to make a phone call and not make a trip out to the house. Is that what we doing? Mm, yeah, you know, that's really, that's really a bit much. And, you know, we're really hoping that this family finds some justice behind this because we know good and well that this is bogus. We know good and well this is bogus. They could have done a whole lot more to reach the family and let them know that, you know, this young man had been, you know, struck by a car. He had been killed. Yeah, but we know why, right? Mm, as long as the police are involved, are we going to get to the truth? And that's the sad part about it. Mm, well, we haven't had a wow story like this in some kind of wow. Oh, a man said that he ordered food from Grubhub, including a beverage. And when he got his food, food was delivered, okay. And when he got his food, he put a straw in his cup, took a sip only to find that it was urine. Well, I got to tell you, one of the rare occasions, he did get in touch with the delivery driver and was told, very honestly, that, you know, he has long hours and he relieves himself in the car. 
and somehow or another he got the drinks mixed up. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm going to send you back to listen to how the due time crew would have handled that situation as individuals. Yeah. And the conversation behind that, including our comments from the listeners, was quite interesting. Quite interesting. Woo! Well, that's how we spent our Wow Wednesday. Mm. Mm. Well, today is Therapeutic Thursday. Yeah, the day we talk about our health in all shapes, forms, and fashions. Whether it's our physical health, emotional health, mental health, spiritual health, financial health. Should I go on? Any kind of health. We talk about it on Thursday. And, you know, we always give the therapy a nice little spin. So, hmm, we'll see how this therapeutic Thursday goes down over here. Alrighty? Alrighty. So, I'm going to give you an opportunity to go get that healthy breakfast. Go tell somebody that it's due time when Pastor Steph is on and whatever you do. Don't go anywhere because we will be right back. Mental health and learning disorders don't discriminate. 17 million children and adolescents in the United States live with disorders like anxiety, depression, ADHD, and dyslexia. Less than half get the help they need to thrive. Help the Child Mind Institute change these children's lives. Visit childmind.org. Good morning, good morning, and good morning again. Welcome back to It's Due Time with Pastor Steph. And it is wow. Oh, no. Therapeutic Thursday, y'all. I'm catching up. I'm catching up. I'm catching up. I'm catching up. We're on the other side of that day. Yeah. We're on the other side of the week. And we're giving God thanks for just getting us this far. Yeah, I'm glad it's not Wild Wednesday. I'm glad it's not Wild Wednesday. We had 
deeper than that. We have made it all the way to the month of November, ladies and gentlemen. It is the 2nd of November. This year is almost gone. Bye-bye. Yeah. So my prayer is that God will continue to take us through, that we will have a productive day, and we will enjoy this opportunity to be together today. All righty. So what are we talking about? Well, it's Therapeutic Thursday, and we got our little health tip. And our first health tip for the morning, brushing our teeth. Mm. Well, they say if you're brushing harder, if you're a hard brusher, you're not alone. Between 10 and 20% of Americans have overbrushed and damaged their teeth and or gums. They call it overzealous brushers. <laughs> but this dentist says that the idea that harder brushing means cleaner teeth Unfortunately, that's an illusion. Mm. She says that brushing isn't like hand-washing dishes. (laughs) Where the harder you scrub, the cleaner they become. She says teeth require tender love and care. And brushing isn't about force. It's about technique and consistency. But don't worry. If you've been brushing hard, don't stress it. Instead, focus on brushing more gently going forward. And uh, mm, overbrushing can wear down the enamel, the protective layer on your teeth, potentially leading to sensitive teeth, a receding gum line, or other periodontal issues, okay? Another dentist does agree, says that noticeable gum recession, a.k.a. your teeth appearing longer and increased sensitivity to hot and cold foods are indicators you may want to ease up. Because once the enamel is worn down, it doesn't regenerate people. And this can increase your cavities. Mm. Also, gum recession can lead to a sensitive root area, potentially leading to decay or worse, tooth loss. Wow. Are you paying attention to this? I sure hope so. This is valuable information for free. All right, so how do you know that you're applying the right amount of pressure? Well, one tip is to pretend you're brushing a ripe tomato. 
okay? You want to apply just enough pressure to clean the surface without squashing it, okay? Just enough to fill the bristles against your gums and teeth, okay? For those of you who use an electric toothbrush, this means almost no pressure at all, okay? Some electric toothbrushes will alert you if you're brushing too hard, and that takes the guesswork out of it. But with a manual toothbrush, they say, imagine it's a paintbrush. You want the brush strokes to be light, delicate, and purposeful. Brushing is not about exerting brute force but maintaining consistency and coverage, okay? Well, to make it easier, try using your non-dominant hand mm, to brush your teeth. Wow, that's interesting. They say, how about holding your toothbrush with just your fingertips to control the pressure better? Okay? They say you can also check the toothbrush itself for signs of brushing too hard. If it looks like your toothbrush just woke up from a wild night of drinking, (laughs) with all the bristles frayed and fanned out within a couple of weeks of use, then you know from that that you've been brushing too hard. Okay? Hmm. Also, here's another little... Um, caveat, when you're choosing a toothbrush, they say opt for soft bristles because hard bristles can cause abrasions to the teeth and gums, especially if you're using a heavy hand. Okay. Mm. Wow. All right. So overall, make sure you're only using light pressure when brushing your teeth. Otherwise, down the road, you're going to find yourself with tooth sensitivity or receding gums, and they say one big hefty dental bill, okay? And I say even more so than that, you're going to find that you're not going to want to go to the dentist, okay? So they say... Um, change your toothbrush every three to four months. All right? Wow. That's a nice little piece of information regarding brushing our teeth. Mm. Wow. I, I like that. I like that. I like that. Well, speaking of brushing your teeth, speaking of your teeth, I found a very interesting article about Halloween candy. Now, I'm not suggesting that you go trick-or-treating, but what I do want to talk about is for those who buy candy and how long you keep the candy. Yes, yes. All right, because sometimes, you know, you you don't eat all the candy that you buy 
and you kind of have it hanging around. You might put it in the refrigerator, might put it in the cabinet, and there is some stuff you need to know about holding on to candy, how long you should hold on to your candy. All righty? Well, chocolate. They say the lifespan of chocolate depends on the type. Okay? So white chocolate, they say, is best eaten fresh. They're actually safe to eat and edible for long after the marked date. Wow, where are my kids? They t- we battle in this house over the dates on food on a regular. Okay, so let me say that again. When it comes to white chocolate, they say it's best if it's eaten fresh and it's edible for long after the marked date. Okay? Dark chocolate lasts the longest of white or milk chocolate. And they say because of the lack of dairy in it, they say if dark chocolate is opened or unopened, rather, if dark chocolate is unopened and properly stored, it can last two years from the day it was made. However, that time is cut in half for a one-year shelf life if it's been opened and stored properly. All righty. Keep that in mind. All right. Let's see. White and milk chocolate's shelf life is cut in half even further. One year if it's unopened and stored properly. If it's open, it will last six to eight months past the time. All righty. And stored properly, I'm assuming, is refrigeration. Because we all know that if you keep chocolate in the heat, it's going to melt. And that is not healthy. Especially the white and milk chocolate because of the dairy. All righty. Hard candy. Hard candy such as lollipops, Jolly Ranchers, and individually wrapped hard candy pretty much will last forever if stored properly. Wow. Wow, well, that's interesting. What in this world lasts Forever. Very few things. Mm. All right. They say, however, the National Confectioners Association suggests that you keep them for just one year when stored at room temperature or in cool, dry conditions. Okay. Now, they're listing candy corn. Now, let me let you know. That my heart was truly broken For those of us who do not eat pork 
then candy corn needs to come off that list. Yeah, candy corn has pork in it. And for those of us who are diabetics, we need to eat very little candy corn anyway because candy corn is absolutely nothing but sugar. Straight (laughs) sugar, okay? But candy corn... They say you can keep eating from an unopened package. Now, now listen to this. Now, you know what? See, I always always hold on. I don't read this stuff. I hold off, rather. But that makes no sense. How do you keep eating from an unopened uh, bag of anything? Oh, you can keep eating. I'm sorry, y'all. You can't keep eating from an unopened. You can keep eating from an opened package for three to six months if it's stored at room temperature. They say an unopened package can last for up to nine months. Okay? But again, for those of you who do not eat pork, you're going to have to leave the candy corn on the shelf. So that's how long it can last, okay? Gummy bears. Well, again, if you are a non-pork eater, you need to read the the ingredients because gummy bears have gelatin, mostly pork gelatin. Yes, there's beef gelatin, but gummy bears tend to have the pork gelatin. So you want to leave those on the shelf. But for those of you pork eaters, gummy bears should last for six months to a year, depending on how it's stored. They say gummy bears should be stored in a cool, dry area. But if you live in a hot and humid climate, refrigerating the candy will keep it from melting and the shelf life reduced to six to eight months. All right. Also, for those of you who eat anything gummy, check the ingredients. All righty. Check the ingredients that you're not eating. Gelatin, straight gelatin, again, is pork. Sour candy. They say sour candies last up to a year, and storage conditions typically don't change that time frame, well, to increase the shelf life, keep it in a sealed, airtight container after opening your sour candy. All righty. And they say a good rule of thumb overall, toss your candy if it smells, if it has mold, or if it tastes bad. Taking a small bite to test probably won't make you sick. So you want to, you know, test it if you've had it for any particular length of time so that you won't uh, eat candy that will make you sick overall. Okay? Now, I'm hoping that y'all weren't out here doing no trick-or-treating and, you know, that's why you need to know. Mm. Mm-hmm. 
let's make sure that whatever reason why we have candy, we keep it stored properly, especially that chocolate. You know, I want to give you a little caveat. When you buy your chocolate from the local stores in the summertime, make sure when you open it up, it is not multicolored. Yes, you know, where some is light, some parts of it is dark because that indicates that it's melted. It's melted at some point. So it's melted and now, you know, with the change of weather or maybe they put it in the freezer, it is now solid. You don't want that. You don't want that. So most times we won't buy let's say, chocolate from the corner store, from the bodegas. No, because a lot of times, you know, their chocolate has melted and you don't want to eat that or chance it. I don't, see, I'm a big person where I don't like to have to take my stuff back. Mm -mm. And I don't want to be standing in the store busting it open. And I do know that, you know, without thinking, based on where they keep it, it will melt if it gets too hot. So before we even get into this conversation, at the store, well, I got to ask you for my money back because it's multicolored. I just don't buy it from the corner store. Yeah, we try to stay away from the corner stores. Not just our corner store, but any corner store. Okay? All righty. What are we talking about Today, I do have a lot of news today. I mean, a lot of news today. And I got one, I mean, one funny story. It's a sad story, but it's a funny story that I got to give to y'all today before we walk into our main conversations today. Mm, well, one of the things I want to talk about, and I really hope I haven't spoken about this, it was on the radar to talk about it, and y'all let me know if I've already talked about it. Hit me up. Well, we've been talking about the migrants for quite some time, and now our mayor, Eric Adams, I don't know if this is going to even do any good because when I read one line in this, I just sat back in my chair and I was like, really? So the mayor has decided to give the migrants here an opportunity to get out of Dodge. Yeah. You know, to free up the space in New York City. He is giving the migrants an opportunity when they finish their little 30-day stint or 60 days, whichever one, you know. You know, if you have, you know, family, it's 60 days. If you're um, an individual, it's 30 days in the shelter system. He's giving you an option to get a plane ticket to go anywhere you want to go. Anywhere you want to go. Okay? Now, 
they're saying that a cost, the cost of buying a plane ticket in some cases is cheaper than the $380 it cost the city to house these asylum seekers per day in the shelter. So, in other words, it's $380 per day to stay in the shelter system for the migrants. And it's cheaper if they buy you a ticket because most times the plane ticket is cheaper than that. So get you out of Dodge. They are willing to buy you a plane ticket to go anywhere you want to go. We're not talking about buying you a plane ticket to go necessarily back to your home or to any domestic location, anywhere you want to go. And guess what? Most people are denying it. Yeah. Now, there was one guy, one migrant, who got a plane ticket, and he went to Morocco. He went to Morocco. And uh, (laughs) that's where his heart was set. And he took them up on their offer, and he said bye. Now, here's the deal. Here's the deal. The reporters talked to a lot of the migrants, a lot of migrants. Let's put it that way. Outside of the reticketing center, and here's what has happened. And this whole plan, because of the way it's been executed, so they say, it's had an adverse response. So here's what happens. When they've run out of time, so when they've reached their 30-day um, stint and they have to go, they have to leave, what they've been doing is they've been telling the migrants, go to this address. All right? On the last day, they say, here, go to this address. They have not told them what this address is. They have not told them what they're getting when they go to this address. And most of them believe that when they get to this address, that it's like another shelter or it's information as to where they can go locally, meaning here in the city, like the next step. Well, what they're not realizing is that they're being sent to a reticketing center. And they have this group of four migrant friends from Venezuela and Ecuador. And they went to an East Village location for assistance after being put out of the shelter. And they were surprised to find out that this is what was being offered, a ticket to anywhere. So because it's a ticket to anywhere, that's it. They haven't been accepting it because here's what they're saying. When I get to the reticketing center, 
All I have is a ticket to anywhere I want to go. So let's say the guy who chose Morocco. After they get to Morocco, after they get to Jersey, after they get to Venezuela, after they get to Greece, after they get to Bangkok, wherever they get this ticket to go, that's it. There's no housing money, there's no food voucher, there's no nothing. So if I want to go here or there, then I'm like stuck. So I'm going to end up in this strange country, and that's it. I'll be living on the street. And what they're saying is, I'm not going anywhere. Yes. One guy says, they offered, but I refused because I'll have work permit in a month here. Now, how are you going to get a work permit if you ain't got a house? You ain't got no, no housing. How are you going to get a work permit if you ain't got a place to live? Don't you need an address to get a work permit? Well, at least we do. We can't just go up there and say, I need a work permit, and that's it. Yeah. And... They're not taking the mayor up on his offer. They're saying stuff like, uh, we're trying to find a job so we can rent rooms together. You know, they don't mind living all together until they can help to build one another up. You know, all the foreigners got a plan. We're the only people that don't have a plan. Yeah, we don't care. We don't have a plan. So they have a strategy. Now, they are, so if they're not accepting the offer to move to another location, then this is not a good plan. But here's why I said This is not a good plan anyway. Do you know what they said? They said that they are offering the people tickets to go to another location so they can free up the space in the shelters for the next set of asylum seekers. So what are we doing? So you're not... That's not a plan. Again, it's not a plan, people. That's just dumb. What is it that they cannot close these borders? You know what? I'm just... I'm just scratching my head. I'm really just scratching my head because if all you're doing is making room for the next set of people, so what you going to do when those people run out of time? This is really a plan, y'all. This, this here, when you talk about going from bad to worse, you are talking about going from bad to worse. Mmm. Mmm. Wow. All righty. I got another 
another story for y'all. Another piece of information. And this kind of teeters on, you know, the real uh, Therapeutic Thursday. They say research shows that oral sex (laughs) renders a greater risk of developing throat cancer than smoking. Oh, my goodness. Now, I don't know how many of you knew this. I tell you, at 56, this is my first time hearing this. Yes. Now, I'm going to try to pronounce this word. I, 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 I did my little research, was trying to get this, but they call it oropharyngeal cancer. And they're saying that mm, the American Cancer Society does cite oral sex as one potential cause of throat cancer. And they're saying that the human papilloma virus, which we know as HPV, is transmitted that's one of the ways it can be transmitted. And because of that, that increases the risk of the cancer. And mm, they say it's so prevalent. And this is the HPV. That HPV is, is so prevalent that they say nearly all sexually active men and women get this virus at some point in their lives, but it goes away within two years, and most people don't even know they have HPV. And they say men are more likely to develop throat cancer performing oral sex on women, as women are more likely to carry the HPV virus in their genital area. Now, mm, they say that men were more significantly impacted by HPV-linked, this cancer, with diagnosis rates rising 2.8 annually in men from 2015 to 2019. Wow. Now they state the rates rose 1.3% among women and they're advising men to wear condoms if they're receiving oral sex. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. Now they say that One quote-unquote expert said that uh, they weren't prepared to give up oral sex, even with the risk. This is crazy. Yeah. They're like, this ain't going to stop me. 
Now, I mean, I got nothing to do with your sexual preferences and things like that, but, you know, if they're saying that in 2021 that people with 10 or more oral sex partners were more than four times more likely to develop HPV-related mouth and throat cancer. 41% of teens from 15 to 19 participate in oral sex. They say young people, 15 to 24, were responsible for nearly half of the 26 billion new STD infections in 2018 that uh, we really need to consider, reconsider all of this information and what we do. Wow. I did not know any of this. So please, you know, spread the word. You know, it's it's amazing that young people, and they did the study, that young people felt that oral sex was not sex. Yeah. And if you look at this, you know, the, the uh, not the statistics, but how the HPV, I just gave you, you know, the information on how HPV is spread, this is this this is something that education should you know help to you know enlighten people not just get the information and just leave it there but that it becomes education they're learning something and they're taking this information and they're using it all righty so I definitely wanted to give you that information on a therapeutic Thursday. All right. Well, I got a story for y'all. And I picked up the story, and then I switched my source of news and found out the next leg of the story, and I was blown away. I was blown away. And maybe you've heard this, and maybe you haven't. But I'm getting ready to tell y'all this story. Well, there's a situation going on in North Dakota where there's this boyfriend and this girlfriend. Mm -mm. So you have this 47-year-old woman who's being charged with class AA felony murder after she allegedly murders her 51-year-old partner last month. Well, it ain't no longer last month. It's in September. So here's how the story is given in the first article. They found out when they did the autopsy that his cause of death was poisoning and... The poisoning was um, from the um, main ingredient in antifreeze. Yeah. Okay. And 
what they said was he was a really good guy. They had been together for quite some time, and she killed him because he was due to inherit $30 million, okay? And what she felt was they had been together for over 10 years, and she was his common-law wife, and she didn't want him to spend this money without her, okay? And she thought that he did not intend to share the money with him. And she was livid, they say. So what she did was she poisoned him. And now she's sitting behind (laughs) bars waiting to go to, you know, to court to fight this case. Okay? (sighs) So I was going to tell you all about that. That was my story. That, you know, that they were going to, you know, inherit, well, he was going to inherit this $30 million, and she was like, nah, 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 I've been with you for 10 years, I'm your common-law wife, how dare you try to get this $30 million without me? So she bumps him off, allegedly. Well, well. I then switched gears and went to my next source of um, of news, and they had a story about the the son of the man they had where there was um, an article written about him and what he had to say about this whole story. Now, they say that he heard that his dad, he's in the military, and he heard that his dad was really, he was severely ill, he had to go to the hospital, and he hurried up and flew here back to North Dakota from wherever he was to be with his father, and his father ended up dying. He said that the girlfriend was jealous and uh, when he did the research, when the son did the research, the $30 million that the father was supposed to receive mm, mm, actually (laughs) was bogus. Yes. They say that he had received an email from a person who claimed to be a lawyer of a distant relative and arranged to meet his father at an airport to sign off on this cash. 
Okay. Now, he wasn't suspicious at all. He shared this information with the girlfriend, and he was convinced that he was going to inherit all this money and that he was going to receive um, all this money from this long-lost relative. And he had planned on getting acres of land and said that he was going to give, the dad was going to give him and his brother um, a chunk of land, and then he was going to open up his own auto shop. These were his plans with the money, with the $30 million. So when he went to meet the lawyer, the lawyer never showed up. And that's when they found out that it was a scam. And what he did not realize mm, mm, was prior to him leaving to meet the lawyer, when he told the girlfriend about it, she said that they had dialogued about this. He didn't seem like he was going to share the money with this uh, with this common law wife, and she was angry about that because she said she had spent ten years with him, and how dare he not want to share the money with her? Now the son says that she had been leeching off the father, that they had broken up several times. Yes that they had broken up broken up several times and she said that when she you know when he died if he were to die that she would split the money with him and this son this particular son here in the military and she poisoned him they found a beer bottle with Evidence of this antifreeze, um, a plastic mug with this antifreeze in it that was in the garage. And they did the research and found out that they had a very volatile relationship. And, yes, they had broken up um, several times. And here's the kicker. They said that she poisoned him based on the fact that she was the common-law wife and she would have gotten the money had he died. She was entitled to it. Well, they said that in North Dakota, they don't even recognize common-law marriages and she would have never gotten the money anyway. Man! <laughs> What a dope you are. So now you sitting up in jail, going back and forth to trial, and you are possibly going to do life in jail without parole for killing a man for this $30 million inheritance 
that was fake. And you wouldn't have gotten it anyway had he killed over and died. You wouldn't have gotten the money no way. The money would have gone to the children. Man, where's my due time crew? Good morning, Tamika. Good morning. How are you? Happy Thursday. Girl, I'm tired. I haven't slept. Um, <laughs> but these stories are reviving me. How are you? I'm doing well. I, day by day, I never know what it is that's going to go on through the pipe. So I'm always sitting, you know, waiting, anticipating. What in the world is going to happen between the last night and today? <laughs> Woo-wee! All right, Tamika, we got a couple stories to talk about before we get into our main conversations here. So you've got the mayor who is offering the migrants who run out of, you know, their time at the shelter. He's sending them to the re-ticketing center to get a plane ticket to anywhere they want to go. It doesn't matter. It could be domestic. It could be international. It doesn't matter. However, they're not taking the offer. They said because they want a job, they want to live, and the tickets are just that. It's just a ticket to get them to the next destination. They haven't been promised any assistance with work. And one guy says, you know what, I'm getting ready to get my my work permit in a month or two. I'm just going to stick it out, find me some place to live, and I'm going to get my work, um, um, you know, ticket. Um, the other group says, we're not going anywhere. They have a group from Venezuela and Ecuador, and they're, they're saying, hey, it's four of us. We're going to stick together. All we need is a place to live. We're going to work, and we're going to build our lives right here. You send us off to a place. All we're going to do is land there. These people have not, they don't know we're coming. They haven't promised to help us get on our feet there. And since you've already promised it to us here, we're staying here. What do you think about this? Honestly, I can't really say I blame you. You know, you got to ticket the ride. And you don't care. And, and and all of that is you literally just got me a ticket to ride someplace. And when I get there, you promised me that you were going to take care of me. You know, okay, fine. Now you got this 30-day thing. So, you know, and you've seen other people here that have made it. They came here. They didn't speak the language. They have businesses. They have children. They succeeded. You know, and so... You don't know what's out there. I've been here at least 30 days. I see what it's like. I've adapted. Now you're telling me you're giving me a ticket to go to wherever. I don't know what. You know, I, you're going to keep doing it to me again and again and again. And at least here, you know, you have some type of, there's some type of stipend that, that's provided to me. When I get out there, what happens? I don't even get a morsel to eat. You know, there there are ways to get things done here. You know, and and, and Although it's a struggle, I'm doing it. You know, we, we also talked about these people that are making their own business. 
you know, I'm out there cutting hair. I'm trying to survive. I just, I just need a place to leave, to live. You know, if I can get enough resources to find a place to live, to, you know, increase my wealth, to, to I can make it. You know, I don't, I, I have absolutely no idea. You're starting me all over from where I've come from if I go to this other place and you're not giving me anything. So I honestly can't really say that I blame them. You know, they're doing the best that they can. I wouldn't go either. <laughs> you yeah. got me here from my country. Now I, I'm sitting here. I'm a sitting here. I'm a, 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 now we got a squatter and we got a bunch of them. And I really honestly, if I got a picket sign, if I had it and, and I was going through the same situation, I'd get me a little piece of cardboard, ask somebody to give me a pencil or mark or something, I would say that you got squatters now. And I'm not going anywhere and I can't really say I blame them. Alrighty. Alrighty. You know, I, I, I can't say that I blame them either. Y'all promised me something when I got here. I ain't going no walk until I get what I came here for. I, I, I'm with you. I don't think I would have blamed them either. All right, Tamika. Let's talk about this couple. This woman from North Dakota, she's been with this man for 10 years. They've been living together common law. She's his common law wife as far as she's concerned. You know, they've yes, they've had, you know, kind of like an off-again, on-again um, situation. But you know what? We, we, we didn't hung in there together. You are notified that you get $13 million. You have come into a third million dollar inheritance from an attorney from a long lost family member and you're not going to give me no money? Let's start right there. What do you think about that part? How would you how would you feel? How would you behave? <laughs> oh my goodness these stories, they just, they just keep on coming. Um that that whole idea of you know you first of all you haven't even walked the walk you know you you're doing the talk basically you know I'm entitled to you have nothing that says that we are joined you don't have a name you you, you said common law you know and then in the state that you reside in they don't even have that so you have no access to anything really you know and of course, you know, I've seen relationships, I mean, Rocky is, I don't know what. Soon as you find out that he or she got a new dollar, new shiny coin, you know, whether it's a car, whether it's, you know, resources, what, whatever it is, you stick like glue, you know. And this genius, oh, she is so super smart. You know, you took his life and you get enough, you, you got exactly what you had before. Now, actually, you got less than what you had. Because now you're locked up. You you have no access to anything. I mean, when they they take away, they take away. You know, now you're living in a in, in a in a cell. You know, four corners, whereas you probably had access to a home. You know, you come and go. Now your freedom is even taken from you. So, huh, just a, you know, just ridiculous. You know, doesn't make any absolutely no sense. All righty, makes no sense to kill him. You know, now, you know, you sitting up in jail, and you wouldn't have gotten the money no way, and you wouldn't have got money 
because there was none. This whole story was bogus. This attorney right. who reached out to this gentleman to tell him, but wait, you are going to an airport to meet this attorney to sign papers. What kind of attorney has to meet you at an airport? So already, the you're kind not the of taking your knife. money and running. <laughs> okay, you are clearly not the sharpest knife in the drawer. So now you're sitting up in jail, facing life without parole, and this wasn't even a true story. Wow, Tamika, girl. I would love to know what's going through her head right about now. Mm-mm-mm. Let's see what you'll do, Thomas. Gotta say. Let's, uh, Pastor KL is on the line. Let's see what he has to say. Good morning, Pastor KL. Good morning, Pastor Steph. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> That's how I'm doing. That's mm. how I'm doing. Thank you. How are you? I'm cold. I'm cold. I'm cold, but I'm doing okay. What's the weather? 30 degrees in Alabama. How many degrees? 33030. Wow. Wow. We got you beat. We 35 over here. And mm. uh mm, mm. What do you have to, what do you have want. on as far as the coat? What do you what do you have? As far as a coat? Yeah. I got I got on the blood of Jesus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, don't have, I don't have I don't have a coat in Alabama. Wow, wow, <laughs> wow. My goodness. Well I have on we faith, in, you... faith in good intentions. Wow. Well we hope you get a little warmer over there. And uh, it gets a little toastier for you. Pastor KL, we're talking (laughs) about the New York City migrants who have been offered a ticket to anywhere, but they're turning it down. And they're saying, no, thank you. You told me if I came here to New York, if I came to America, I would be able to live, get a job, and, you know, make a life. Wherever you get ready to send me, I don't care how great it is to live there, they don't know I'm coming, so they haven't made provision for me. What do you think of that? I, I, I'm, I'm, you know, as much as I don't like the, the immigrants and migrants coming over here, I, I'm, I'm, on, I'm on their side at this point. You told me I can come here. And this is what I was going to be able to do and get and all this stuff. Then, yeah, I want my piece of the pie. If I come to work for you, or if I come up for an interview, and you tell me come to your position, come to your establishment, and I'm going to pay you this amount of money, and then when I get there, you say, hey, we really ain't got that kind of money. We got to find you somewhere else to go. No, no, you said this is what you're going to pay me. This is what you're going to do for me, and and I'm waiting for it. And take your time and hurry up. <laughs> Tell me about it. Tell me about it. Yeah, you can't. 
and and I mean they are defiantly turning it down. They're willing to just figure out a place to live so that they can get their work permits and get to working. They want to work and they right. want to start building a a life, and they are literally not going anywhere. They are refusing these plane tickets. So they are really sticking to the plan. You ain't got to stick to the plan, but I'm sticking to the plan. Right. Oh, my right. goodness. What about this North Dakota woman who kills the man because she thinks that he's going to get this $30 million inheritance what do you think about this? Well, I think that she has definitely issues. And he, the husband, or the, the common law, should have realized that, that her whole cake wasn't baked right. You know what I mean? For, for, for you to come up with this scheme, there, there had to be signs of you really not being all together. You know, and then you take this chance, and your common law doesn't even mean anything. And, you know, you wouldn't have got it if he had the money. And it was all a host. So now you lose everything. You know, forget the millions, you lose your $2. Because now you're making $2 an hour doing license plates, you know, and you're confined to, to, to four walls. You are crazy. Isn't she? Isn't she? Mm-hmm. I mean... You wouldn't even do the research to find out if common law was even acknowledged. You didn't even right. do that much research. You so greedy. Wow. Okay. Yeah, you could definitely tell us okay. another one without a plan. Yeah, she's, I agree with y'all. She's really not the smartest knife in the drawer. Mm-mm. Not at all. Wow. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Let's see what your girl Shantice has to say. Good morning, Shantice. Good morning. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. How is everybody? That's good. That's good. I'm fine, thank you as well. All right. What do you think about the migrants who refuse the free tickets? You think that they're crazy or you you understand their their decision? So I completely understand. You prom- you're promising me a fake vacation, but I don't know where I'm going. I don't know what's set up for me over there if there isn't. You didn't have anything set up for me here. So for me to believe that you have something set up somewhere else is a long stretch. And only so you can get more migrants to do what? To now try to send them off somewhere? That, I don't... I don't understand the the point in bringing more over here. When I mean, it's been evident the entire time since the the beginning of this whole fake plan that there was no plan. But you're blindly sending them other places so they can now be a headache or a concern to other people. Just so you can bring more migrants here to do what? Mm-hmm. So I can fully understand them saying no thank you because I don't, I don't know. At least right here I, I'm a little familiar with. You said come here. You brought me here, so I'm going to stay here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, they seem to be agreeing with all of you, and they ain't going nowhere. 
So we're going to see more and more homeless people. And, uh, again, you know, it's so that they can make more room in the shelters for the new migrants who haven't been through the shelter system yet. Boy, is this a dumb plan. All right, Shanties, what say you of the common law wife of North Dakota who is now sitting behind bars will probably do life without parole? All for a hoax. It's gotten to the point where now I don't even have to be your spouse to try to kill you for your money. That I, <laughs> that, that I think, you know, before that was that was always the thing. You know, it's, if someone dies, the spouse is always the first person of interest. The, the, the cops are always checking to see if there's life insurance policies that were taken out, you know, because they always figure that that would be the motive. Now it's to the point where if I've been with you for more than five years, then I should be entitled to whatever Pop-Tart you get. And now if I want two Pop-Tarts and I only want you to have half of one or none, then I'm going to take you out. That's, and I know she is sick to her stomach to hear that <laughs> that the common law is not even recognized there. So you did all of this for nothing on top of you doing it for nothing. You really did it for nothing. I know she's sick to her stomach right now. But it just shows how desperate people are to mm. want to have what someone else has. Mm-mm. Wow. Well, thank you all for indulging me in our news. This is our Dear Abby week, and uh, we got some scenarios that, you know, we know Dear Abby has weighed in on, but we want to hear what, you know, you would tell these people to do from a Christian angle, you know, Christian mind. Hey, dear Abby, I'm a lesbian, I think. (laughs) I'm a lesbian. My wife and I have been married for nine years, but since COVID and my mother's death, we have had problems. I met a man online. He's an actor. We grew close via the Internet. When my wife found out, we fought, and this man and I haven't been as close. Although we mended our relationship and I love her, I seem to always wonder. About a year ago, I got hit on by another actor on Instagram, and we also grew close until my wife found out. I stopped, but I still maintain contact with these men, and I'm not sure why. I wonder if I'm happy with my wife or if it would be better with someone else. I wonder if I'm staying with her for love or for comfort. I'm not sure. I keep questioning my identity and my life. Any advice? Tamika, any advice? Seek Jesus. <laughs> if you haven't, <laughs> do it now. Um, you know, um, ah. the only way that I can, can respond to that is that um, I, I know of a, a lady who has, declare herself um, a lesbian as well, you know, and I have absolutely no idea but or what, what reason why, but she said to me that 
Um, she's, she's been married some time, but she said from time to time she has a desire to go back to where she was, meaning, you know, being having a relationship with a man. She said she, from time to time, you know, misses. You know, there are things that women cannot do for you. I don't care what kind of apparatus you use. I'm trying to put it clean. But, you know, you, you know, you have a desire for that because that's how you were created. You know, and so, you know, the fact that you have this, this, this inkling, this desire, that was how you were created. So the fact that you have that attraction, you know, if, if that's where you go, then I, I would literally, you know, the only way that I could say that is literally seek God for your choices and your decisions, you know, um, and the fact that you have that, you might want to, you know, you might want to seek God on what your next step should be. All righty. All righty. Pastor KL, any advice? I have a lot of things to say. I mean, first of all, you know, they, they, they have this, this uh, candy bar out there that says sometimes you feel like a nut, sometimes you don't. You know, um, this, is, this is a confused place that you're in, you know. And I also look at it, too, is that maybe you're feeling convicted by some of the things that that going on in your life. And like I said, if you're not convicted, you won't be converted. And 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 maybe maybe God is really 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 trying to talk to you and and you don't understand whether it's the voice of God or not. You know, and as Lady Tamika said, you know, you got to see God for yourself. You know, a, a, a lot of things would automatically begin to to feel different in your life. You know, once once God comes into your life or once he's trying to enter your life and you recognize that it's God, you know, this is not of God. And we all know that, you know, and, and again, I think that, that you're feeling convicted about what's going on and, and it, it's time for you to fall in full deliverance. So that would be my, that would be my advice. All righty. Shanti, she's asking any advice. Well, yes, that's what I was thinking. You know, if you're saying that you're married to a woman and now you find yourself all of a sudden gravitating to, you know, men, now you're just attracted to men in particular. It's not even like, oh, you know, I'm, I've been secretly talking to other women. Nothing's been going on, but... For some reason, I just haven't told my wife I've been talking to these women, or it's been a mixture of some men and some women that have caught my attention. You know, it it definitely could be God saying, "Yoo-hoo, hello," you know, divert your attention over here, where it will make you stop and and think about what you're doing. You know, because every everyone knows whether whether you're the type who who likes to be in a monogamous a monogamous relationship or you're the type who just likes to date and you ain't trying to be tied down. Everybody knows that, you know, when you're in a relationship, the, the do's and the don'ts. So already you know that this is going to create problems, which is why you haven't said anything. But considering the nature of this relationship and considering who now all of a sudden is getting your attention I would say pay very, very, very close attention to that more than what's being seen naturally. Alrighty. You know, the 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 surface of it. Yeah. 
righty, all righty, all righty. Thank you so much for your advice. Uh, next dilemma. One of my family members is a loner. I'm the closest relative to them. They invite my children and me over for holiday dinners, but the house is dirty with roaches. Galore. The bugs even crawl on me during the day on the couch. I don't want to be there for this reason. I'm also cautious about inviting them to visit here because I once asked them to house sit for me for four days and I came home to roaches in my house. How do I break it to them gently that the sanitary conditions are troubling and I don't want to be in their home nor have them in mine? Pastor KL, how do I break it to them gently? I, I, I tell them this is not the will of God for my life. You know, I, I can't, I can't, <laughs> I, I, I can't sit and stupor in this. You know, there, 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 there are some things, and and you know, we want to be mindful of what we, but there are some things that you just have to come out and say. You know, you, you, you can't. I, I, I don't know. You, you, you can't fake the funk, as, as as we used to say back in the days. You know, this, I, this is unacceptable. You know, whether you want to say, well, you know, I think for the children's sake, you might want to tie it up. And, no, you got roaches, and they're crawling on me. Not, not, you might be able to live with them. They, they may have become pets for you. But, but <laughs> even when you have dogs and cats, I don't want them jumping all over me when I come visit you, let alone roaches. No, and because of this, you can't come to my house because if you're that comfortable, with them just crawling all over you. I don't know whether they're in your pocket, whether they're in your purse, whether I, I, I don't know. But, but apparently they're traveling with you. No, 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 no. <laughs> we, 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 we're not saying you and a guest. We just want you to come. No, no thank you. <laughs> mm-hmm. All righty. Shanties. <laughs> I agree. It, it, gentleness, this is not a time for gentleness at all. I, I, you would have had, well, first of all, you're not a loner because you got roaches. Secondly, you would have had one time <laughs> for me to come over there and not only see a roach, but roaches, and then find that one is on me if there would have been virtual visits from there on in. I don't care what situation I had. This, I, I, I'm, I mean, this, this house sitting thing. No, if I really needed someone to tend to something at my house while I went away, maybe it's not meant for me to go. If you're the only one I can rely on to come over, absolutely not. There, there. I, I, I read Pastor Kale certain things because this is even for your your health. Like, before we even think about you coming over here, because we all know when things like that happen at your house, it's really difficult not to travel with them. Because a lot of times people like that are careless. They have their bags, they leave it open, they have clothes, they leave it laying around. You don't think, mm-mm, no, 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 no. So even for your health, you have to be told, that you got to take care of this. You cannot now be going to other people's homes. And then that means you come in here to spend the night? Absolutely not. So you, you need to just tell them straight out, listen, you have a problem, 
that you need to fix. And until that is fixed 100%, maybe you, maybe you got to move and don't take nothing with you. However, however that needs to work. But, no, and you definitely can't come over here. I'm sorry because I can't now risk my health and my comfortability and, and sanity because you have to bring this with you. Uh-uh. Tamika, what are we talking about? How do you break this to them gently? Okay, so I actually had a situation like that. It was one of my aunt's friends um, who we had never been to her home, you know, and my aunt was like, well, we're going to Natalie's house. And I was like, okay, great. You know, and we got over there, and they were so bad that they were not only in the chair, the table, they were dangling from the ceiling. You know, like, so, like, you look up, and you're, like, you're thinking it's a design. You know, oh, no. And, I mean, like, at any moment, they would drop. And I stood, I, as soon as I saw that, I went outside, and I, I stayed outside on the front porch. Because I was like, I, 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 I can't do this. You know, and um, in a situation like that, you, honestly, there's, there's no breaking it to you gently. Here's the other thing. You are my family member. And because I love you and because I care about you, I care about your safety. I care about if you've got children, their safety, and anyone else that you come in contact with. We've had had episodes where we mentioned about killing roaches, and if you kill one and you walk someplace else, you're traveling. So that's under Mm -hmm. your feet can, you know, cause issues in other people's homes. And let's just be very honest. I can't say, you know, oh, oh, well, it's because of, you know, I'm sick. How many times am I going to be sick? You know, how many times is, is something going to be with the child? You, you can only make so many excuses. You have to literally, honey, I have to be honest with you. I, you know, I, I can't come over there. And honestly, you can't, you will not be welcomed in my home until you minimize this thing. This is a health concern for you and anyone else that you come in contact with. So as nicely as you want to say it, you got you to come out and be, you know, as, as blunt as you possibly can because maybe with you living in this, you've gotten comfortable, you know, maybe you came to the end of your rope, you, you're not cleaning as well, maybe there's an issue of depression, whatever it is that you need to do to get it done, but you can't, you, you can't take that um, and be, you know, soft with it. You've got to kind of, Go in there and do what you need to do verbally, not not physically, verbally, so that they understand how serious this can be. All righty, all righty. All righty, here we go. Hmm. Out of nowhere, my husband announced he thinks we should unfriend each other on Facebook. I got upset and told him it would make me feel insecure about us because I think there is no reason for it. I find it very suspicious, and if there is a reason, I think we should split up. He unfriended me anyway. He called me closed-minded and said I value Facebook over our marriage. Is he right, Shantice? Where these people come from? Listen, he don't want... The, the mistresses to see you because he's considering their feelings. Divorce that man. For some, for you, 
for that to even be something that's brought to me as your wife is already grounds for us to be sent up in somebody's divorce court. Then even when I voice to you my feelings, you do it anyway. So you just unfriended me from life, not just from social media. So we can keep the same energy with everything across the board. Because that, that says so many things on so many different levels. And then how old are we? No, it, 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 that, that's just too much. No, just stay unfriended. Go to the Lord. See how he's telling you to move. But don't don't worry about all that. Just understand that, that most likely he's, he's messing with other women. Or other men nowadays, we don't know. But just, just go to the Lord and see how you need to move. Because you can now take matters into your own hands and do a whole lot of other things. And now you don't want to get yourself in trouble now. But, yeah, just understand that most likely this is what could be going on. And, you know, when you're cool, a lot of times with men, when you when you genuinely stop caring, now they scared. Now, now they want to be your friend on social media because now they don't know what you're doing. So don't worry about it. All righty, all righty. Tamika, what are we talking about here? Yeah, you know, we, you've got something up your sleeve, you know, I, and, and the fact that you now unfriend me, you know, um, and, and it's not that I, you know, think that you're, you know, cheating while you were, while we had, while I had access, you know, but you're just going ronshod with, with all of that, and you decided to do this. You decided to now unfriend me after I verbalized. Yeah, you've got something sneaky up your sleeve, not really sure what it is that you're doing. But when you start making me questions, then I really start to look in other avenues, you know. And, and that's when you have issues with relationships where you say the wife is snooping because she doesn't know. You, you've now put her in the dark and you left her to an avenue where now, okay, now I've got to go through extreme measures. Who wants to do that, you know? And so that might be a whole lot worse than he ever imagined because he's going to have to deal with a whole lot more than, than he ever imagined, all types of stuff. What you doing? Where you going? What time you coming back? Who you going with? That type of thing. Mm-hmm. All righty. Pastor KL, what are we talking about here? Well... <clears throat> Being a former player from the Himalaya, you, you know, know. <laughs> this, this ain't nothing. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, nothing. This ain't nothing good right here. This this, this is not, as the, the players would say, a good look. You know, he, 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 he messed up real bad on this one. You know, he is doing something. It ain't about, you know, I don't know what you're doing. I'm telling you what he's doing. He doing everybody, and he don't want you to know who he doing, not what he doing, who he doing, and he's telling a whole mm-hmm. bunch of stuff to, to to some women, probably the same stuff he told you to make you say I do, you know. So now, oh no, I got I got to get you out the picture now because now he's saying yeah I might be married, but but we going through a, a rocky um, divorce. I might be married, but we sleeping in different rooms. I might be married, but it ain't working out. So, so if I could unfriend you, then to the ones that I'm doing, oh, he must be really right. They, they're not even friends on Facebook no more. It, 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 it ain't what it ain't what he doing. It's who he doing, baby. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All 
we go. I'll soon be 40, and I still have no idea what I want to be when I grow up. I don't know what I'm interested (laughs) in doing or what my skills are. It's not for lack of trying. I've taken aptitude tests, IQ tests, and personality tests, and I'm still no closer to any answers. I do not know how to choose a job and just go for it. This may be why I never graduated from college. I kept switching majors. I live with a family member and owe $25,000 in college loans. I can't afford a car, and the financial stress is killing me, not to mention the emotional and mental stress and low self-esteem. I need help. I should have had all this figured out years ago. Any good, solid advice? would be appreciated, Tamika. <laughs> I did not know you were choosing it first on this one. Yeah. Oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. Yeah, and, and the sad part about that, I'm not picking at the individual. There are a lot of people out there that are like that. They just can't seem to choose, can't find the direction. You, you do this a little bit, that doesn't feel right. You do this a little bit, you're not sure. Let me go back to the first thing. So you're just kind of muddling around, you know, kind of wasting time. You know, we don't, honestly, we don't know what time limit that we have, you know, and there are avenues that are out there, but you've got to make, you know, nobody can make the choice for you. You know, this is, this is something that you have to seek God. What, what is it? What avenue are you interested in? You know, let's start knocking off what it is that you're not interested in so that we can build on that. And then once you get that door open, you know, stick with something, you know, you can't just keep going from this to that to this to that, you know, um, then you find yourself 30 years later realizing, oh, shoot, I did all of this and I don't like any of it, you know, um, for one, God is definitely crucial. God, what is it that I need to do? Where do I need to be going? What avenue, you know, strikes me? What is it that, you know, I should be moving in? You know, um, and then try to find you a men- mentor, someone who really appeals to you, someone that you can talk to about your concerns. If it's a psychiatrist, you know, or a psychologist, you know, do that, you know, um, so that you can get at least started in an avenue. And then at that point, stay in it, you know, because you find yourself, if you just keep mulling around, you, you never get in the direction. If you're just going around in circles, you'll just keep going into that same circle, same spiral and never getting anywhere. All righty. Pastor K.L. My, my, my first thought was you're not very bright. At 40 years old, you still don't know what you want to be when you grow up. You have no um, no ambition. You, you, you just, you're just there. You know, we're, we're, just, we're just living day by day by day. And at some point, you have to want better for you. You know, you keep changing jobs. There's no job good enough for you. You know, you, you, you don't know what your, your talents are or, or, or what your abilities are. You know, you keep changing majors. Now you have a whole bill for college, and, and you're not doing anything that you study. You know, I, I think at this point, you know, you, you need to find the Lord so, so, so that he can tell you and uh, he can show you and guide you to what you're called to do, what your purpose is in life. Because Obviously, the natural world is not helping you with that. So, 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 so your natural mind is not helping you. 
So you have to tap into something higher than what you're doing. So you need to find God so that he can tap into your spiritual realm and in your spiritual mind shows you what you was called to do and what your purpose was. All righty, all righty. Shantice, any advice? What we doing, millennials? I'm stuck on, I'm 40, and I don't know what I want to be when I grow up. You already grew up. That's it. You, like, you're at the point where now technically the 40, you know, we're like, it, we should be in the middle of, okay, I got, you know, maybe a few more years before retirement, you know, if I'm working that type of job or all that. Y'all keep thinking y'all don't need Jesus. I agree with Pastor K.L. Can no earthly person help you at this point? You you better start learning what it means to sit still and just start talking out loud to God. And a lot of people say, I don't know how to pray. Forget forget formal prayer. Just sit and talk. Start talking to God. He's going to teach you how to now elevate that into the formal prayer because this is scary. This is scary that at 40, you're this unstable, and you're not only this unstable with your career life, you're unstable like this in every other part of your life as well. And until you understand that you need Jesus, you'll be 60, God said, your life, talking about, I don't know what I want to be when I grow up. Because, as Pastor K.O. said, the world has nothing to all. There is no stability in these streets. So if you think you're going to just wake up and find someone out here, secular, who's going to be able to guide you and really put you on point and really help you on that type of level, no. Not not that. <laughs> Not at this point, because just the verbiage alone is is really concerning. So yeah, you you got you got to find Jesus at at this point. All righty, all righty. We got one for the road. My sister, who is quite a bit older than me, was married to a man for more than twenty years. He was a part of my family from the time I was three. When I was a teenager, he made a move on me, which was disgusting because I trusted him. My family swept it under the rug and downplays it to this day. If that wasn't enough, I twice caught him cheating on my sister. They eventually divorced. As an adult, I want nothing to do with him. However, my sister and mother insist on him being involved in our important gatherings. I feel they completely disregard my feelings, and I have since removed myself from those gatherings. I feel cheated, but they say it's necessary for him to be around their shared children, and they keep trying to make me feel like I am being unreasonable. Am I? Pastor KL. I don't don't think you're being unreasonable at all. If if you're uncomfortable in the situation then you eliminate yourself from that situation. Um, I, I, I do think that they're being unreasonable by, by not uh, standing for your feelings, you know what I mean? But, but you, you have to do this for your sanity, for your peace. You know, you have to move on. And, and then, you know, as, as hard as, as people say, we all say, that you have to forgive him for you, not for him, for you. 
You know, you can't make it in with grudges on, on other folks, you know, and, and you have to be able to forgive them and let it go. You know, the Bible says take your burdens to the altar and leave them there. You know, we, we can't forgive and then keep picking up this, pick, picking it back up and still holding it in our heart because then we have not really forgiven and we have not released this thing. So for your Saturday, I don't I don't think you're being unreasonable, but if you don't let this thing go, it's going to destroy you in the future. All righty. Shatis. <sighs> okay. So it's it's sad enough when kids I mean anyone at any age, especially kids, have experienced rape and or molestation and they have the courage because we know many people understandably are afraid to admit to their family that this has gone on especially when it's being done by someone in or close to the family if they have enough courage to say something and you tell them they're lying and you disregard what they're telling you I don't think there's anything more disrespectful than that so now that you're an adult and you see that they are still disregarding what you said, they want to keep this man around for the sake of the kids, but they don't understand that he could very well, if he hasn't already, do this to the kids, if he's already done this to you. So while you, yes, need to make sure that you consult with God and ask him to teach you how to forgive I would say until they respect you enough, they as in your family respect you enough to respect the truth, you need to keep your distance from everybody. Because even as an adult now, and they still have not come to terms with taking into consideration what was said, he got to be around for these kids. How old were you when he did that to you? And I know someone in a situation like this, but I don't, from what I can remember being told, her family believed her when she said it, but didn't know. So uh, I agree to keep your sanity and your peace. You make peace with your with him. You make peace with your family, and you just keep your distance until they can respect you enough because there's always going to be tension. There's always going to be, well, we'll, we'll rather have him. Cause now what happens if I was to say, well, listen, it's either him or me at these gatherings. They pretty much already made their choice. All righty. All righty. Tamika, what you got? Um, I think it is a good thing that she went to talk to somebody about it. Um, and a situation like that, especially when it's family, becomes very difficult. Um, and even being in a setting does put... Um, limitation. You don't want to be around that individual, you know, because everybody is trying to pretend like they don't see this big, huge elephant in the room. You know, your rapport with mm-hmm. this individual, I can't fake that. You know, I can't pretend, you know, we smiling and laughing and giggling and you sitting directly across the table from me. For some, for, for some reason, it always seems to happen that way, you know, and I'm being transparent because it happened with my family. Um, I had a relative that came on to me and I verbalized about it, you know, and um, it, it was, it was silent. It was silent. 
no one said anything, no one said, no, no one did anything. And then what ended up happening was all of the nieces, none of them would come to the, to the family event, and nobody could figure out why. Then after this individual passed away, it all comes out. It didn't just happen to me. It didn't just happen to her. It happened to every single niece that was in this family. Mm. So when we stopped coming mm. and, you know, the whole house, all the cousins are coming, all the boy cousins are there. Where, where's such and such? Where's such and such? Where's such and such? Years later, you know, I was a child when this happened. And now I'm an adult. And I said, I'm not down. I'm not coming. You know, I said, I'm not coming. She said, she's not coming. And all the she said, she's not coming. Then after the event, somebody, I can't remember who said it. You know, oh, I'm glad Uncle such and such is not here. And then we all kind of looked. And as, as, as she said it, we kind of all quenched and was like, it happened to me too. So in a situation like that, you can't be silent. You have to verbalize. I'll tell it until, you know, until the world ends that this happened. Because as you can see, yes, what, this happened when I was a, ch- a child. I'm an adult. How many other nieces are you going to touch? How many, you know, this, this is the thing. This is why, especially when it's family, why it's so sensitive. But you have to verbalize. And you have, you know, the fact that that feeling of being isolated, you know, that nobody wants to touch you or nobody wants to touch the situation can be more damaging than the assault itself. Mm-hmm. All righty. Thank you so much. What? I mean, what a series of advice and and uh, good counsel from the people of God. Thank you so much, Due Time Crew, for your contribution into today's conversation. And we pray you have a blessed day. Thank you. Thank you. you. All righty. Hmm. Let's, you know, this is a pray for them day. And as we've had so many different uh, scenarios, let's take that before the Lord, holding hands and holding hearts. Uh, Dear Heavenly Father God, we come before you and we give you thanks because only because of you we even have the courage to face today. Some people didn't even want to come into today, but you said yes when we have opted to say no. And we thank you to Heavenly Father for your yes. We thank you, God, for the investment today that helps each and every one of us be able to say yes, that gives us the courage to just step out on faith and live the life that you have chosen for us to live. God, we've had so many dilemmas here today. And we give you thanks that your people have been able to give sound um, counsel, sound guidance, and that you've even delivered them from some things so that they would be able to talk to your people to help deliver people from these um, life experiences where some people feel like they can't go any further or they don't know what to do. How do they go further? But because of you, but because of you, but because you 
have just helped us through the many trials and tribulations of life, the many dilemmas of life. You have allowed and enabled each and every one to speak today, to be able to say yes to your will and yes to your way today. We ask you, God, to bless every listener that even if they're not going through this particular dilemma we talked about today, these particular dilemmas that we talked about today, dear Heavenly Father, that even conceptually they'll be able to put the pieces of the puzzle together. We thank you, Father, for your love. We thank you for your concern. We thank you, God, for your deliverance. We thank you, dear Heavenly Father, for loving us in a special way, in only a way that you can. We pray for them today. We pray for us today, those of us who are going through our own dilemmas, and we didn't know how to get through it, but just hearing each other speak, now you have helped to put us on the other side of the fence, and we can now go forward into today and every day that you wake us up with the confidence in knowing that you are, your son died for such a time as this, And we give you the glory and honor today, God, for all that you have done, all that you are doing, and all that you will do. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Hmm. You know, God is amazing. God is amazing, and we give God thanks for everything that he has done. For each and every one of us You know you have to trust God For all that He's done Because The only way That we'll even get Through it is if we trust him If we Trust God with Everything that He has for each And every one of us You hear these Dilemmas that people have And you sometimes say to yourself You know what God I can't even imagine That that's a dilemma They don't know how to work their way through that They don't know how to fix that They don't know how to get through that Why is that you know something that they Can't work out And we Give you thanks God Today because You know what We deem to be simple What we deem to be You know Brainless, thoughtless That You know It's nothing It's nothing at all Because of you We wouldn't be here If it weren't for you And you know one of the things that was very consistent With What the due time crew said was If they had God You know if they had God In their pocket they'd be able to take care of it As well You know, every day I close out with the same petition. You know, please do not miss this opportunity to accept Jesus as your personal Savior because the one thing that has been unanimous in all of these dilemmas, if God is in the forefront of your life, if God is for you, who can be against you? So come on, take God at his word. You'll be all right. 
You've been listening to It's Due Time with Pastor Steph. Join us Monday through Friday from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. where we discuss matters of the heart, mind, and spirit. As you go through your day, be sure to set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. They will only serve as a distraction. Remember, prayer changes things. It's Pastor Steph signing off, and I want to thank our due time crew for always coming through big time. Thank you for hanging out with us and helping us do what we do. Ah, oh, please do not miss this opportunity to give Christ your life right now. Please do not miss this opportunity to strengthen your relationship with the Lord right now, because later is not promised to any of us. I'm asking that you keep Pastor Charlene, who is on her continual uh, path of healing, keep her lifted before the Lord, as Elder Nitisha has um, endured a loss in her family. We ask you to keep her and her family, the Moore family, lifted before the Lord and ask them, ask God to heal them at the time of their loss. Until tomorrow, God spares. Where is Freestyle Friday? Until then, I love you.